start off with 2021 with a series on grace. And grace is the title of our message. And for a while, we're going to be talking about grace. And it is God's grace that he has sustained us and given us these opportunities to continue in the work that he then called us to do. Now, I'm going, not going to read everything that we are looking at, but if you have your Bibles, then turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Now, in this book, we're going to look and see how God's grace has worked in the lives of the people in Jesus. So when we look in here about grace, we got to make sure that we understand what God's grace is. God's grace is available to all. But when we hear what God's grace is, what do you think? How do you understand what grace is? Grace is a word that is thrown around in the church, but we really don't understand or practice what it really is supposed to mean. Because if we ask a few people, what is grace? Many people will come with many different um, understandings of what grace is. You may say um, to somebody, uh, what do you think grace is? And they may respond that they are saying that they don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, and grace is able to cover me on what needs to be done. And see, many times we got to understand what grace is, and it's a churchy word, but it's not, a, it's not a God's definition of the word. We use it churchily, but the, when we get to the grace of what it is and what it's supposed to do, then we will start to understand more and more that God has for us. So God's grace is given to us, but we don't know what grace is supposed to be and why has God given it to us. And see, when we understand and look it up in the dictionary, we're going to get a series of what grace is supposed to be. But today we want to start off looking at God's grace in this new year. And God's grace started in the beginning in the garden when he created the world. God started to think about, God started to know, and God started to understand and know what was going to happen in this process of his creation. So God's grace was there in the beginning so that he can shine light on the darkness that was about to come and do the things that we, that was not, we don't deserve, but his marvelous light is what grace was able to show us. So when God started all this whole process, God's grace was at the forefront of God's thinking. That's why when Adam and them fell, it was God's grace that was able to keep them and sustain them instead of destroying them. So when we get to Matthew chapter 1, we want to define grace for us. And we're going to use the genealogy of Jesus so that we will understand how God's grace was incorporated through these scriptures, even though you don't see the word grace. See, God's grace 
was so much a part of God, uh, Jesus' genealogy that it was through his grace that we are able to pull out the true meaning of what God has and intended for things to do. So when we look, I really want you to look at the scriptures through the lenses of what grace is all about. Now, Matthew 1 through 16 in chapter 1 doesn't have one word in it talking about grace. But you will see a bunch of times all of these names of Jesus' genealogy. And your reaction could be right or wrong to what you're reading in Matthew as it tells about Jesus' history. And it's important that we go into 2021 understanding that the grace of God has sustained us through everything that we're going through and everything that is going to come at us in 2021. See, we know not a single person was perfect in this genealogy. Until we get to Jesus, no perfection is in these genealogies. Also, we understand that women Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth, and Bathsheba is mentioned in Jesus's genealogy. So we got to understand that how grace is going to work and how it has been able to define. So if you want one word that will be able to define grace, then you need to understand this one word and this one word only. And since this word is a powerful word, it should make us rejoice, it should make us understand, and it should make us be willing to yield ourselves to God because when we understand this one word, grace should take on a new meaning in your life. Grace should be able to start to let you proclaim this great joy that God has placed in you. And the word that describes grace is favor. Grace is favor. And it's available to all. Well, Pastor, why is it available to all? God's grace was given to his prized creation, which is humans. And every human being has God's grace upon them, whether they're with him or not, because that word favor, so the human race has favor with God. But when we understand that grace is undeserved, unmerited, unexpected, and unexplainable and unbelievable, what it really is saying is that I should understand that God has favor upon people. Then what makes grace even grow even further is that God says in his word that his people really has his favor. Then he even raises it a little more when he says, my leaders has more grace 
because of the responsibility that they have. So the chances of them messing up, the chance of them not being perfect, the chances of them sinning, and the chances of them falling and getting entrapment, my grace of them trying to do the work I done called them to do, give them more favor because of who I am and what my grace is. So when we understand grace and we start to look at grace in the proper text and context of things, grace is undeserved. Grace means that you are receiving favor that you don't deserve. That's why the human race has favor with God. Even though everything is turning away from God, everything is sinning from God, everything is even denouncing God, but God's favor is still there with the human race, and they don't even deserve it. And the thing that the believers got to understand and rejoice and do is understand now I have received God's favor and his grace done brought me through. So I should start to be able to let this favor start to propel me to want more and more of God and understand that I don't even deserve this. But the problem with not being able, when you don't deserve something, you don't appreciate it. When you don't deserve something, you don't take it, you don't want to have it a part of you because you think it's very generic, very uh, minute, very small because you don't place no value in it. But if the believer starts to put the value that this is undeserved favor from God. Another part of it is it's unmerited. That means you're receiving favor that you didn't earn. Grace, you can't earn grace. Grace is given unto you because of the favor of God. And when we understand that I don't deserve this grace, I, I can't earn this grace, I can't buy this grace, then we start to understand that what grace is all about and we thank God for the favor that he continues to bring in our lives because we can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't do enough to earn this grace that God put in motion even before the foundation of the world, because grace is favor of God. Grace is also unexpected. Oh, boy. Receiving grace and favor that you didn't expect. How many of you have done things, and then all of a sudden you expected the worst? But God's grace came into the situation, and you didn't get what you deserved. And it was unexpected. There's many times, and I got testimony after testimony, of God's grace covered my infirmities, covered my sins, covered my troubles, because, and the things I was expecting to happen didn't happen and it was unexpectedly because God poured his favor upon me 
And if that word is not good enough to get you back in line, then I don't know what's going to work because unexpected grace is always there when God needs you to have it done in your life. There's many times that I knew that I was wrong, caught red-handed, and should have gotten punished. But God's grace stepped in unexpectedly, and mercy took over. Another thing about grace is unbelievable. And we got unbelievable favor with God that we can't even believe. That's why we should be able to rejoice with God because it's, it's unbelievable on how God has gave us favor despite who we are, despite what we're going through, despite what we do, despite our rebellious attitude, re despite our, our human nature, despite our gradual sinful decline into the world's ways and the temptations of the, of, of, of the devil. And God's grace becomes unbelievable because God still loves us and God is still showing favor even in the midst of our destruction. That's why grace is unexplainable because we can't explain what happens. We can't explain why things have went the way they went. We want to explain it. We want to rationalize it. We want to be able to justify why things went the way they went. But when you put it in its proper context and you try to tell somebody or justify it, I guarantee you, you can't find the right words to explain it. All I can say is, I got favor with God, and it's his grace that has sustained me. I can't explain it. And then when you get to be a true believer, you don't even try to explain it because you understand that God's favor is upon me, and God has done what I didn't deserve, what my, his unmerited favor he did it unexpectedly. He, can't, he did it where I can't explain it. And it was unbelievable. And God's grace, many of us think, this is through traumatic, wonderful, um, down times in your life. No, this grace is there all the time. It's there when you need it and when you don't need it because disgrace is favor with God. That's why many people got jobs and things that they didn't even know they deserved. It. They probably weren't even qualified. That's God's grace for God to be able to do what needs to be done. See, when we can live and understand grace, then we will stop trying to abuse it and start to use it in its proper way. So the women that we was mentioning in the Bible all received favor that was undeserved, unmerited, and unexplainable and unbelievable. The men of the pastors also needed that same kind of grace in their lives. 
and we see that at, we're going to see these things. See, the biggest thing, this is why grace is so important, and this is why it's a shame that the believer takes grace for freedom. Grace is not freedom. Grace is favor. And God has favor on the human race because he didn't destroy it. And he knew it before creation that grace was going to be needed. So what we done turned grace into is not the undeserved, unmerited, unexpected, unexplained, unbelievable thing in favor of God. What we done turned grace into, I can do what I want, say what I want, go where I want, be where I want, and do anything I want to do because God's grace is going to cover it. That's the new thinking. That's the new church. That's the new outcome. But when we understand grace in its true point that I have favor with God, that grace is supposed to start to draw me to God instead of away from God because grace is covering my infirmities, my faults, my ways that I don't deserve this. And when we start to understand, like the women we're going to look at, how these women that was in a male-dominated society, God used these women to do the work that he needed done, and they had the grace and favor of God in their lives. And they were mentioned in Jesus' genealogy in a patriotic, male-dominated society and God's grace and favor was there for them. And they was able to do the work that God had predestined them to do so that they would be able to help contribute to the Savior to come into this world. So when we look at Tamar, Tamara, she has a very wonderful story because she came from Judah, and she was his, the wife of the oldest son. And Judah was the elder and oldest son of Er, and, and, and was evil, and, and he died. Er, er was evil and died. Now watch this. The, 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 the er was, the Bible says, was evil and died, but yet out of this, God produces Tamara who will end up being able to be with Judah and becomes his wife. <coughs> and she didn't have anything in society. She didn't have anything but the marriage to keep this woman in the family and allowed her and to have children, and he and was able to be provided for. But when, see, in the custom of Judea, the next son was supposed to marry her because of the tradition of the people. But when the people, Owen, didn't want to do what it was required of him to inherit her because her husband done died, then Tamara 
was then still barren without an heir. And he didn't want to have sex with her because he didn't want to have a child by her. And she didn't, he didn't want to fulfill his obligation to her. So she ended up not being able to bear a child because the brother wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. And then he dies. And the story goes on. Judah done lost two sons to Tamra. And he's about to lose a third son. But Judah steps in and will not allow her to be with the third son once he became of age. So she had to come up with a plan to be able to do what she needs to do. Now watch this. Well, pastor, how in the world can God use this woman to do what needs to be done and it's okay with God? When, this, this leads me into this, when we can get purpose in line, God is looking at Tamara not for now. He's looking at this woman who's going to be in Jesus' genealogy to keep the line going into what God has ordained Judah to do. But many, so she had to develop a plan to get impregnated in the line that God had put her in. She, she married the oldest son. The oldest son died. She was without a child. By custom, they were supposed to give her to the second son. He didn't want to have nothing to do with her. He died. The third son come. She was supposed to marry him, and, she, and he, he didn't. Judah, the father, steps in so that that son didn't produce. So she tricks him into doing what he needs to do because God has anointed her and ordained her to be in the future line of the Savior, and she had to develop a plan to allow this to happen. Now, if you know the story, you got to understand that God's favor, God's grace on Tamara was not that she did it right. The point is, she was able to do what God needed her to do for the future. See, so when we look at this, she came up with a plan. But in that plan, we would call it deceit. We would call it sinful. We would call it um, misusing what we call godliness. But watch this. Was she not betrayed by God's people in the beginning for not being able to let her fulfill what God has placed in her life? See, now watch this. This says, like Malcolm X, by me, any means necessary, my purpose will be fulfilled. When we understand, now God's favor will exceed 
what we think is right, what we think needs to be done. We may even look like we are not in his will. And this is where we don't abuse God's grace. God will say, by any means necessary, my purpose is above anything because my grace is always here. When you find favor, then you can develop a plan like Tamara and dress up with a prostitute like a prostitute and know that Judah, the holy man, is going to be enticed and tempted to do something he wasn't even supposed to be doing. And so he goes and be with her as she dresses as a prostitute. And then she ends up being impregnated by him because she was supposed to be in this line of Jesus anyway. But they and humans and the church and people tried to stop what God had already ordained. And God allowed her to do what she needed to do so she can receive her inheritance of what was supposed to be done. And that's why Tamara is in, in Jesus' lineage because her job was supposed to be in his lineage. And when she ended up having a son and through her, she became part of the, of the lineage of Christ and, and, and then she was able to do the purpose that God had placed her to do. And many times, God's favor is upon us. And Tamara is a perfect example of when God calls you into a higher point of purpose, that his grace covers your infirmities. His grace covers your multitudes of sin. His grace covers what you don't deserve. His grace is his unmerited favor in your life. His grace is this unexpected. Now watch this. Watch this. His grace is this unexpected favor that you think you're going to get in trouble for. Because Tamara was definitely out of line according to man and custom. But she wasn't out of line according to God. And when she busted Judah, she ended up getting the things that she deserved because of she was supposed to be in the lineage of what Jesus was supposed to do be. The Jewish community don't agree, but God agreed. And when we understand grace, and we understand grace covers God's purpose, then we're able to walk in what God then called us to do. Rahab is another one. She's mentioned in Matthew 5. She lied. She was a prostitute. She was not in that lineage, and she wasn't a Jew. As a matter of fact, she was the only thing that was willing to help the spies to check out Jericho and the promised land. And she 
was used to help them get back to Mount Sinai and God allowed them to give her a promise that when we come back through and go to the promised land, you and your household can come with us. And watch this. She, God used her, a prostitute, a person that wasn't even in the lineage of God. But she did what God heard purposed her to do. And she found favor with God. Because like I keep, I hope you keep hearing this. God's purpose is the ultimate goal. And when he uses anything he needs to fulfill that purpose. That's why when you understand God's promises, you understand God's prophecy, you understand what God is designing everything to do, you quit trying to judge and you quit trying to condemn because God used these women to bring forth his son and grace was there before the foundation of the earth. That's why it's available to every human being. But it's up to every human being to understand that this is God's favor. I don't deserve it. It's unmerited. I don't expect it. I can't explain it. And it's unbelievable. And once the believer get it, if this don't make you rejoice, knowing I'm not perfect, knowing I've got failures, knowing I got faults, knowing I'm subject to temptation, knowing that I am just as fallible and frail as anybody else. But yet, that grace is sustainable and a powerful favor so that I can be doing what God needs me to do. And Rahab saved the spies for the purpose of getting to the promised land. And God used her. And when they came back through, she's also mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith. When she came, when God's people came back through, they took her with them because God used her for the purpose that he needed her to do. Ruth is another woman of grace. And her story, you don't see grace nowhere in there, but you see grace in the story and Ruth had to you God use her she wasn't even a Jew but God used her to keep the lineage of what he has a place in Matthew chapter 1 and Ruth was a vital part of what was supposed to have been done and she got God's favor to do what she had to do remember her story her husband and sons all died. She had no inheritance. She was amongst Naomi, and she was in the Jewish family. Naomi, her mother-in-law, had lost all of her inheritance because her husband had died, and all of the males in her, her family was dead. And she Ruth was a Moabite, and she was considered lower than the lowest people 
in the Israelite family, in, in the Jewish community. And she was who Jesus, who God chose to do the work to continue on in the line for Jesus to be with the Savior on his way. She was able to watch God, unexpected grace, when she said these words to Naomi. Naomi said, go back home. There's no more hope. We're done. And she looked at Naomi and said, your God will be my God, and I will be with you forever because I'm accepting what you then worship. And God used Ruth the Moabite to do the work that she needed to do to be within the lineage of what Christ had, to, God had ordained. And God, she found favor with God because she did God's purpose. It's a long struggle. But she was hanging in there. She was working the field. She was treated like nothing. But God got Boaz's attention, and God looked, Boaz looked at Ruth, and got, he found out who Naomi was, and he wanted to do the right thing. And God used Ruth to purpose what God has planned, and Ruth was able to marry Boaz, and she saved the lineage that God had got started, and her name is written forever. Because when we find favor, she was a righteous woman. She was a good woman, but she wasn't a Jew. But she was willing to do all that she could to fulfill what God had purposed in our heart. God's grace is so, so important that it, if the body of Christ starts exercising it and instead of abusing it, instead of cheapening it, then I think we'll be able to reach more and more as the purpose of the church that God then called us to do. Bathsheba, I've always been wondered about this one. Why would God allow her, who was married and committed adultery, and not only married and committed adultery, she was married and committed adultery with the king, and out of that came one of the greatest rulers on earth in Solomon. And God's grace and favor was upon her even though her husband got murdered, David wasn't right, things wasn't supposed to go right. She lost her firstborn and ended up getting another son, And but God's favor was upon Bathsheba, and God used her to do what he had ordained her to do, which was to produce Solomon, who ended up building the temple, and Bathsheba through the sin of the world, through the sins of life. Bathsheba received God's unmerited favor, God's unexpected favor, God's purpose 
was for her to produce what she done produced, and she's in that line with, Dave, with, 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 with the rest of the women, and these women is what I like to call women of great faith. And the thing that you cannot exclude, when we look at grace, you got to watch how you look at God's favor. You don't know who he's going to pick. You don't know why they pick. You don't know what he wants to do with them. And if they start to understand that they are willing to do whatever God wants them to do, that's why God can bring these prostitutes off the street. And they end up being a great woman of God. That's why God can take women that we don't think is worth anything and bring them into the church and then gradually rise them up because his favor is upon their lives. That's why we cannot be so condemning and so not able to see what God can do with somebody because you got to remember this and remember this at the forefront of your thinking. God's grace is available for every human being. And he gave that favor before the foundation of the world. And God's people and God's humans are his prized creation. And they have favor because of what God has established in their life. So we never thought, and watch this. This is so beautiful. In Jesus' lineage, you see prostitutes in his lineage. You see murderers in his lineage. You see adulterers in his lineage. You see people that wasn't even Jews in his lineage. You see things that the Bible continues to show that when even when the Gentiles started to get saved through the church, that God's inheritance is that there is no shameful people that I have created because my grace is upon their lives. It is the unmerited favor. It is the undeserved favor. It's the unexplainable favor, and it's the unbelievable favor that God and God's grace is due to the salvific work of his son, Jesus, on the cross. And when we understand that what grace is truly is, and when we understand what the word favor really means, then I think we will start to look and act a little bit different toward things because grace is favor. Great, if you had to put one word, one word on grace, it's favor. And if somebody favor you, if you are a favorite of somebody, then that person is saying, I love you. And you on one of the top of my list because of my favor. Well, Pastor, how can all of us be on God's top list? Well, I got here. Well, first of all, you quit limiting him to us and start limiting him to who he is. The reason why he can lift the whole 
human race and put us all on the same line of favor is because of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that gave everybody favor in God's eyes. When we can live with what grace is and start walking in what grace is, then we'll start to be what grace is. Because if I'm a favor of something and I don't deserve it, I can't even explain it, and I don't even want it, but I got it, I think when I start to see it, that should start to change me. The problem with the world today is they have redefined grace. They don't use it as favor. They use it as justification to do what they want. See, long as I have grace, I can do what I want. But that is not what grace means. Grace means favor. You're going to do what he purposed you to do. But when we abuse it and twist it and believe that it is something I can do what I want with versus what it's designed to do, then it loses its power, it loses its anointing, it loses its substance, and it drifts us away from God. Because nowhere in my definition do I read, you are free to do what you won't do to grace. I read it is favor. And that favor is to understand that unmerited favor, undeserved favor, unbelievable favor, unexplainable favor. That to me says not do what I want, but it is favor that I know I am not perfect. I know I'm striving to get there. I know I'm not going to be able to do everything right. That grace keeps me from the death penalty. Because I have favor. And when I can absorb true grace, true grace makes me get on my knees. True grace makes me worship him. True grace makes me put down everything that I want to do and be and say, what is your purpose? Because I don't deserve this. I made it through 2020. I didn't even deserve that. But I want to thank you for your favor on my life so that I can be able to do the work that you done called me to do. I'm going to close with this story. The Civil War was one of the bloody and costly wars in America ever. Many men were brutally murdered, and the instrument of the war during the Civil War was especially horrible. Many suffered without means of the modern medicine. 
On one occasion, a surgeon was riding across the battlefield to see if there was uh, anyone he could help. He saw a soldier laying on the ground. As he passed by, he saw the body twitch and move. He got off his horse, he dismounted, and went over to the soldier. He felt a pulse. It was very weak. The man had a kind of a smile on his face and was moving his lips. The surgeon knew there was nothing he can do but lean his ear right down to the man's mouth. He said, son, what are you saying? The soldier said, sir, they're calling the role in heaven. And I was just answering to my name. I don't know what the man's background was, but I can say this. He knew only God's grace had forgiven him enough to take him on home to where he belonged. God's grace is for all in humanity. And when heaven calls the roll, no one can say, not one human being can say, well, God, you didn't favor me because it was offered to all of humanity. And when we understand what grace truly is, then and only then you can start to live under the purposes of God. Because that undeserved, unmerited, unexpected, and unexplainable and unbelievable favor should propel us to the cross and say to Jesus, thank you because of the grace and favor you have extended to me in my life. There's a book by uh, Diedrich. Uh, oh, I forgot his name. Oh, shit. Well, anyway, Bonhoeffer. And he was a German preacher under Hitler. And he watched the church support Hitler and rally behind them. And he came to America and he started to study grace. And he went back starting to preach and he ended up getting killed in a German camp. But his book is still valid today. And it's a powerful book if you read it. And the title of the book is Cheap grace. And he was describing how we done cheapen God's favor. Because when we understand it in the divine, then we will start to look at it in a truly different way. Grace is not cheap. Grace costs his son. Grace propelled us. We don't get the death penalty. Grace 
gave us life and life more abundantly. And if that is not enough favor for you, I can't help you. Because the more you cheapen it, the less mercy you can get. My prayers for us going into this year, and I pray for the church. You got to look at the Bible, and one of the things I love about God bringing out those five women in Jesus genealogy is we love to have that favor of understanding that if every human being have the favor of God, we cannot judge what God starts to do and bring because God has great favor on all human beings. And 2021, let us practice the same grace that God gives us. If you haven't been in situations and you can't explain how God got you through, that's because of his grace and his favor on your life. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, my prayer for 2021 as we go through this series of grace is, let us understand it's not cheap and it's not expendable. It costs everything that God has. It costs his son who he foresaw coming to do the work that he has called us to do. Take God's favor and let it work in your life. Amen.